We're continuing our series in the spirit. This morning we're looking at the idea of freedom, which only seemed appropriate seeing as we just spent the whole weekend talking about being set free. Um, for those of you that missed out, you really missed out on a really great event. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, we put on an event called Set Free. It was Friday night, all day Saturday. It was some teaching. It was some worship. And I think the best part about it was the practical side where we got to like break off and actually talk about what we were learning and put what we were learning into practice. And I know that, I, I'm going to speak for myself, and I know I talked to a few people, that it was just, it really was like freeing to just deal with this stuff, to just be, to let it go. Deal with it not in the way that maybe we've done in the past, but do it God's way, the way that God's word is prescribed to us. And so my hope, and I'm going to put everyone on the spot, uh, my hope is that everyone that participated would do like a little video telling us how good it was or what they got out of the weekend. Because it's one thing for me to stand up and say, it was great, that's my job. It's different when people who actually participated that's not me stand up and say that it was really good. So, um, and do videos that if you didn't like it, I just won't show them. Um, <laughs> that's how that works. Um, but I, I would really like, and I want to do more testimony. I want us to be a body that shares the good things that God is doing because God is active. God is moving in each and every one of our lives. And some, it's big ways, it's powerful ways, it's miraculous ways, and some it's just small ways. It's the still, small whisper as God speaks his love and his truth into our life. But it's all testimony. It's all about how God is moving. It's all how God is still active in this world. And he's still changing Live. So if you got a testimony, whether it's got to do with set free or not, let us know, and I would love to, it doesn't have to be this camera, but it'll put, get you in front of a camera so you can share, or maybe you don't want to share, you just want to write something, I'll read something on your behalf. Whatever it is, just testify to the goodness, because God's word says that people are saved by the testimony of God's people. And so we need to be those who share and testify the goodness of of God. Well, we are in our series in the Spirit. <clears throat> we are in Ephesians 4. That is our base text. We come back to it. We maybe wander off a little bit, but we come back. Uh, so if you have your paper Bible, then I invite you to turn there. Um, I'll give you a few seconds. If you don't have a Bible or you want to follow along on your phone, uh, we have this really great app called Logos. Uh, you can scan that QR code and download it. It's really cool. It's got lots of really great resources. And if you open it during service, it will actually prompt you to the passage that we're on. So you don't even have to look for it. You just hit the button, and it takes you right there. It works whether you are in service or whether, I think, like I could tune into Red versus service right now on my phone. So it's got quite a range. So as long as you're within a reasonable distance, your app should be able to follow along with the service. So get that downloaded if you're interested. Check it out. Um, it's a good one. But uh, before we get too far into it, I'm curious, how many people, if you go to your kitchen right now or some designated area, still have a junk drawer? Junk drawer. Yeah, we've got one. Okay, good. I, I remember ours at home, like growing up, the one at home. I can picture it. It's right underneath the microwave. 
left hand, and that's where like you go to find batteries, not the good new batteries. You go find the old batteries that stop working in one thing but might work in something else, right? It's where like the odd screw and the the brackets and it's where like you find weird stuff. And I know that in today's day, it's not limited to a drawer in some some scenarios. Some people have drunk sheds. Um, it, it you know some have basements. You know whatever. It, no judgment. You you got your junk. You hold on. But my question I have for you this morning is why do we hold on to these old things? Why do we why do we pop a battery out of a remote control, throw it in the junk drawer, hoping it might work for something else instead of like testing it and seeing if it's dead. I don't know. Um, so why do we have this fascination with holding on to old things? And I know that I'm going to pick on my father-in-law. He just, you just never know, right? You might need it. You never know if this thing, this tool, this... And most people that say that, they say, well, I got rid of something one time, and then the next day I needed it. Yeah, well, that happens. Go buy a new one. I like... There is this fear that if we let go of the old thing, it might come back. There's this fear that we might not like the new one, and so it's like our safety net. <laughs> there are so many reasons why we hold on to these old things that 99% of the time never get used again, but you never, you never know, right? Or, for those of you that are sentimental, right? Somebody gave it to me, and if I get rid of it, they'll know, right? Like, it's just like, it means something to me, so I'm just going to hold on to it forever. I'm never going to look at it again, but it's there. Um, <clears throat> there is just, yeah, anyways, everyone online, you share. Share your reason why you hold on to way too much stuff. Um, beautiful thing about moving. Michelle and I have moved more times than we should have. Um, and every time we do, we purge. So our old stuff accumulation is pretty minimum, but we're planning on sticking around here for a very long time, so that will change over years, right? So no moving means more st stuff. Um, hopefully, with all that rambling, you're at Ephesians 4 by now. Uh, we're going to be in a little bit further down. I said we were focusing on verses 1 to 16. We're going to actually jump down to the next section, verses 17 to 24. And Paul's going to unpack this idea of the old self versus the new self. And so this, we're going to start here, verse 17. Paul says this, Now I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to the hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, to put on the new self, created in the likeness of God in true righteousness 
and holiness. Paul starts this passage in a very interesting spot. He says, don't act, don't think like the Gentiles do. Paul is writing to a church full of Gentiles. Okay, this is the Ephesian church, maybe had a few Jews, but if you don't know, Gentile literally means not Jewish. So all of y'all are a bunch of Gentiles, okay? Unless you've got some background I don't know about. If you do, I apologize. But we're, like, we're all in this category. So why would Paul say this to a bunch of Gentiles? Stop acting like Gentiles. Stop thinking like Gentiles. And it's really interesting how throughout the course of this letter, Paul starts by talking about Gentile meaning not Jewish. But now he starts talking about Gentile as something else. He starts talking about it as if the people within the church, those who have been saved by Christ and declared Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they're not Jewish, and they're not even Gentile anymore. They're something completely different. And of course, we would say that they're, they're Christian, but that wasn't really a word that was used at the time. They were just Christ followers. They were completely set apart. And this is and so Paul goes on to, com to compare the Gentile way of thinking, this Gentile way of living and speaking. This is your old way. And then he goes on and he compares the Gentile way of, of life, the old way of life, and he compares it to the new way. And when you watch how he unpacks this, it's like, yeah, I want nothing to do with the old self. Well, before we dive into that, we're talking a lot about old self and new self. What does it mean to you to be new? All throughout the New Testament, Paul especially talks about how when you become a believer in Jesus, you are made into a new creation, a new self. The old has been crucified with Christ, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. The old is dead. The old, you are new. But what does that mean to you to be new? And you can you know, get theological if you want, but to get personal, like, this is what it means. This, I, this is what the old way was. This is what the old way that I've separated myself used to be. And now I am new. Now I am set free. <laughs> Unintentional plug. Um... <laughs> I have separated myself, separating from this old way, I've separated from these old habits, and I get ahead of myself. Anyways, what does it mean to be new? So here's how Paul unpacks. This is your old way. This is the old self before Christ. So first he starts off, futile minds. They're futile in their thinking. They're, that word futile could have been translated purposelessness, uh, vain, emptiness. There's just a futility in the way that we, and not just like that your purposelessness and futile before Christ. It is your futile in your things of God. You just can't comprehend God's word the way it was meant. You can't comprehend God's truth the way that it was meant to be comprehended. Your mind is just clouded and you don't, even though it's right in front of you, you just, you, you don't get it. You don't. And that, that's the reality. You need the Spirit. Thus, we're talking about in the Spirit. You need God's Spirit to understand God's truth. 
because you cannot comprehend spiritual truths with our natural mind. So the old way, the old self, controlled by sin, which we'll talk about in a little bit, they're futile in their thinking, their understanding is darkened, there's a cloud, you just, anyways, empty minds, clouded understanding, clouded judgment, alienated from life because of ignorance. They talk about how ignorance is bliss. Well, we are just unaware, ignorantly unaware of the life that God has set aside for us, this life that God has called us to. They're just, just ignorant of it because it says alienated from the life of God, not just life in general, the life that God has called you to. It talks about in Psalms 139 that every one of your days was written before you lived one. You are alienated. You're unaware of what real, true life is because of the old self. Hardness of heart. He goes on, he says, calloused. It talks about how this hardness of heart was like a scar on your skin. Talk about how soldiers, when they get beaten and they get hurt and they get, over the course of fighting and training and war, their skin would get hardened and they just stop feeling they wouldn't have feeling in that spot. They could take more pain in that spot because the skin would harden. And Paul says that in your old self, your heart is like that. You can't feel true love. You kind of get the world's version of love, but you can't feel the true love that comes from God. You can't feel true joy that comes from God's Spirit. You can't feel compassion. You can't, not the way God prescribes it, not the way God describes it, not the way God pours it out on each and every one of us. Our hearts become hard. Our hearts are calloused, given to sensuality. And this is like uncontrollably given to, um, he says, greedy for every kind of impurity. It is this uncontrollable desire and pursuit of everything that is contrary to God's word. Contrary, you know, impurity doesn't necessarily, it normally talks about sexual purity, but it doesn't just mean that. It could mean financial impurity. It could mean vocal impurity. Whatever it is, he says that you just become greedy for it. You just long for it for... <laughs> And you'll do whatever it takes to get. This is how Paul describes the old self. And Paul, in other parts, would say this is, the, this is the life that is led by the flesh. This is the life that is riddled and controlled by sin. And that this is why we have such a hard time, not us, why people have such a hard time understanding that being a good person isn't good enough. Because our version of good, the world's version of being a good person, isn't the same as God's version. And because sin, sin doesn't instantly turn you into a calloused, unfeeling, clouded-minded person. It's a slow process. It gets into our life, and it slowly changes the way we see the world. It slowly changes the way that we, just slowly changes the things that we it slowly changes the perception that we have of people. It slowly, gradually, but very intentionally corrupts us to the point where we cannot comprehend the things of God. And we can, and it's to the point where we can sit in church and we can read God's word and we can, but that old self, as long as we hold on to it, gets in the way of really understanding and really engaging God the way that we were meant 
to be. And after looking at that list and after like having it unpacked, it's like, I don't want anything to do with that old self, right? I don't want anything. That old self is, I'm glad it's dead. I'm glad it's crucified. Uh, Paul says this in Galatians 5.24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. It's gone. It's dead. It shouldn't have anything, we shouldn't have anything to do with it any longer because the old self is is gone. The old self doesn't feel, it doesn't think, it doesn't know, it doesn't and by comparison, Paul says, this is how your new life is. Your new life in Christ. Your forgiven, grace-filled, loved, free of sin life that I offer you. So first he says that you are renewed in your mind. So right away he goes, if the old self was futile in its thinking and clouded in its understanding and ignorant of real life he says your your mind and your new self is renewed and you see things differently you understand things differently you perceive the things of god differently you all of a sudden in god's spirit it is just open to you in a way that you didn't know it could be open before you see the depth of god's word you see the depth of god's love the <coughs> The calloused and the hardness is gone as the new self is made in the likeness of God. God is love. It doesn't say God is the definition of love. God isn't like love. God is love. God is holiness. God is these things. And when we put off the old self and the new self comes, we start to understand and we start to feel, we start to know what real love is. We start to, and there's freedom in that because part of being loved is acceptance and you start to realize that it doesn't matter what you do in this world god loves you god has accepted you god has brought you into his family you didn't do anything god did everything to bring you into the fold your mind is renewed you're made in the likeness of god and in by comparison of the impurity and the longing for sensuality, God says, I give you true righteousness. I give you true holiness. I give you true... Righteousness is literally the most basic definition is right living. But right living doesn't mean a good person by the world standard. Right living is right living by God's way, by God's word, by God's teaching. And that's very different when it comes to what it means to be righteous. And you... The confusing thing about righteousness is that you, your righteousness is not based on what you do, but you act differently because you are righteous. You are not made righteous by your actions because it is God who makes you righteous, but because you are righteous, you act differently, you think differently, you do things and you speak things differently. Your true righteousness and holiness. Holiness is simply set apart for God's purposes. You are now not part of the fold. You're not going with the flow of culture. You have now been set apart for great and glorious things. Earlier on in Ephesians 4, it talks about how you are, uh, you as the saints, everyone here who has declared Jesus as their Lord and Savior, you are the saint and you are equipped for the ministry. It's not just the guy on stage that does ministry 
We all do it. We've all been equipped because, because of this new self and because of the holiness you are set apart for these great and glorious ministries that only you can do. The new self is so completely different from the old self. It's so, there's no wonder that Paul says we need a clean break. We need to let it go. But all too often, we just, we want to hold on to the old self. We hold on to the old self. We hold on to the old ways. We hold on to the old habits or old, you fill in the blank. We hold on and because there's a familiarity with it, or there's a comfort in it, or there's just, there's an uncertainty about this new life, and so we kind of, we hold on. And suddenly we find ourselves not only holding on, but we're dragging the old self, right? Paul said, it's crucified, it's dead. It, there's no life left in the old self, and yet we we, drag it, we grab it by the foot, and we're dragging it along. And then all of a sudden, we start feeling that freedom that we had when we repented, that freedom that we had when we asked for God's forgiveness, He took away all of our sin, that freedom and that lightness we felt, all of a sudden, we're not feeling it so much anymore. Suddenly, life is starting to feel a little heavier again. It's starting to feel a little harder again. God's Word isn't quite as exciting as it once was. They talked about at Set Free that when we we're first saved, when we first commit to Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are so excited about the message of the cross. We're so excited about the good news of what God has accomplished in us through the cross. And then life happens. And we pick up the old self and we kind of start to put it back on. And all of a sudden the message of the cross isn't quite so exciting anymore. Kind of back to being old news. I've heard this a hundred times. Do I really need to hear it again? When really it should fire us up. It should make us excited because it is the source of our salvation. It is the hope of our, it is the reason we come to repentance. It is the reason that we come to being this holiness and this righteousness and this new self. Our salvation from, <laughs> salvation from hell is because of this, the cross and that awesome news. We should be excited by that. But as sin slowly creeps back in and we start to take up old habits, we start to take up these old ways of thinking and we just slowly but surely we get clouded again. And show slowly and surely we get corrupted again in our thinking and in our speaking and slowly but surely our life we say we're Christian, and we're going through all the actions, but the life that was there isn't there anymore, and the excitement that was there isn't there anymore, and it's just like, what's the point? And so God comes, so Paul says, we need to, this is a daily thing, it is a daily coming before the Spirit, coming before Jesus and saying, I don't want anything to do with my old self. I don't want anything to do with that sin. I'm not going to let just a little bit in, right? Just, just a little bit. That, whole, that old video of, um, you know, I just want to go, Dad, I want to go to the movie. I want to go to that R-rated movie. He says, okay, well, here, I made you some brownies. Oh, okay. The kid takes a bite of the brownie. He's like, you know, I just made it the way I've always made it, but I put a little bit of dog poop in it. What? Well, it's just a little bit. 
It shouldn't, ri- it shouldn't wreck the whole brownie, right? The, whole, the pen should be fine. The piece that you, it's just a little bit. Blech, gross. But that's, that's how sin works. We just, that's, and that's the way we think. Just a, just a little bit. It's just a little bit of sin. It's just a little bit of corruption. Just a little bit of, and Jesus says, no. Paul says, no. The old way. Back to Galatians 5. The old way has been crucified with Christ. It's dead. It's gone. Do not, we don't have to live by it because we get new passions. We get new desires. We get new purpose. We get a renewed mind. And all of a sudden, we get new purpose. And the key to all of this, the key to maintaining this new self is this daily quieting ourselves before God and allowing His Holy Spirit to fill us up because with, it is only through God's Spirit, it is only through that seal of our salvation that we find the strength and the ability to stay clear of that because there's, there's that nature, that corrupted self that still kind of wants to draw back, but we're like, no, Holy Spirit, come. Earlier on in Galatians 5, Paul says that those who are led by the Spirit no longer appease the sinful desire, no longer appease those natural sinful um, passions. In the Spirit, and the big thing is in the Spirit, it's not just being a new self, but it is being, it's finding the freedom that is only found in salvation. It is the freedom. Because when you realize what real love is, it's so freeing. There's no expectations. There's no stipulations. It's just unbridled, total pouring out of God's unrelenting, unending love. Oh, that feels way better. It's the pouring out of God's unending grace, unending mercy, unending favor on you every single day and it takes the pressure off it takes the weight off you're like oh i should have done this sooner but it's every day we gotta crucify the old self it's every day it's waking up saying holy spirit i give my life completely to you help me Right? It's even in the way Jesus taught us to pray. Lead us not into, he didn't say not lead us into sin. He said lead us not into temptation. Because temptation is the first stop before sin. Father, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from evil, some translations say. Sometimes the evil is the evil one. Sometimes the evil is the devil working against you, trying to corrupt your way, trying to disrupt your life in God, trying to throw the curveballs at you. But sometimes the evil is that sinful nature that just just wants a little bit more airtime, wants a little bit more of your attention. So God, not only save me from the evil one, but save me from the evil that is within myself. Save me from this old self that wants to creep back in, who wants to take the steering wheel of my life. God, save me. Keep me from temptation. Keep me from any remnants of sin because I don't want it to get a foothold. I don't want it to get into my life and start that clouding again. I don't want a clouded mind. I don't want a calloused heart. I want 
I want to be alive. I want my mind to be renewed and enlightened, and I want my heart to be alive with love and passion and joy and all those things that are found in your spirit and your spirit alone. And it's the best way to do it is that's exactly where you start every single morning. Holy Spirit, thank you, thank you that I woke up this morning. I give you control. I give you the steering wheel. Lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from evil that I may walk in this new self. May I may walk in this free self and honor you and live the life that you have called me to live. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Jesus, I thank you that you have given us everything we need to succeed everything we need to succeed in life, everything we need to succeed in ministry and in work, that the seal of your Holy Spirit, the infilling of your Holy Spirit in us gives us the gifts and the strength and the wisdom and the clarity of mind to see the world not as we would see it, but as you would see it, God. To see people as objects of love and grace and forgiveness, to see work as something that you have called us to, something that is an honor and a privilege to be a part of. God, that we would have these renewed minds to see the world, not as the society, not as the world would have us see it, but as you would have us see it, God. God, fill us with this new self. Help us, God, to every day cut ties with the old self, cut ties with the sinful ways, cut ties with those bad habits and those bad ways of thinking and those, God, we want to walk in your freedom. And the only way to walk in that freedom is to fully embrace the new creation that you have made us into. So God, help us every day to be free of condemnation, to be free of guilt, to be free of those passions and desires that are contrary to you. God, may we walk in undescribable freedom that is only found in your spirit. And I pray, God, as we walk and we live and we enjoy the freedom that is in you, that people around us would see it and long for it because they see how good it is in your people. God, I pray for freedom. I pray blessing on everyone who's here and everyone who's tuned in online. In your precious name, Lord Jesus, I pray. Amen.